Hello and welcome to UX Soup, a podcast that looks beyond the buzzwords to give you the latest developments impacting the user experience of personal devices and services in the home and on the go. As always, UX Soup is presented by Strategy Analytics, a global research and consulting firm providing our clients with insights, analysis, and expertise. I'm Chris Reiner, and I am joined today by my co-host, Diana Franganilo. Hello, Diana. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm doing all right today. How are you doing? I'm great. Full of energy, full of beans, as the British would say. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) So on today's episode, we are going to talk about gestures, or specifically in-air gestures. So this would be you know, waving your hand or something in front of a display or a sensor in order to be able to do certain tasks. Uh, these are implemented right now in some smartphones to help you, you know, if your phone's laying on the table and it rings, instead of flipping it over, you just you know, wave your hand over it and dismiss a phone call. It's in some vehicles where you can do the same or do things like uh, play with uh, volume controls or other simple controls with uh, a wave of your hand. So we want to talk about those today, uh, discussing some of the use cases they're used for, some of the UX issues that we find, and what uh, consumers think about them and what we as UX experts think about them. Great. So Chris, I know that you have been researching this area uh, just recently. And is there any gesture in the market that you were not aware about uh, that you came across while you were researching? Well, I mean, of course, Diana, we're, we're aware of everything that goes on out there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, what, I, what I find more interesting is kind of where some, some use cases where these things might go. There's been a lot of talk lately, uh, past couple of years since COVID, of course, about using gestures for things like public displays. Uh, because, um, you know, of COVID things, you don't want to go up to a, a, a cash machine or some restaurant ordering screen and and press a, a display that or buttons that thousands of other people before you have pressed. Uh, so the thought of using gestures for public kiosks or or ATM machines or other public interfaces uh, are ones that I'm 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 intrigued about. Um, I would like to see good implementations of them come out. Yeah, that's true. That one thing is the theory and, and another thing, a different thing is implementation. Talking about implementation, what are the issues uh, in your experience that people come across while well, using gestures? Um, for me, gestures have always struggled. Um, they have the same foundational issues that voice interfaces do. And I started off very, very early in my career working on speech interfaces and have been doing so in some extent on and off ever since. Um, and speech and gestures share the same foundational problem in that you have 10 possible outcomes of any interaction with uh, a speech interface or a gesture interface. And only one out of those 10 things is good. The other nine yeah, are the one you want it. bad. <laughs> <laughs> there could be way different ways in which your thing is your input is misrecognized or maybe you're using the wrong gesture or doing it in the wrong way there's so many different ways that things can go wrong that it's just so hard to keep it accurate uh, to make it accurate enough for people 
Um, especially when you think that these things are replacing a hard button or a touchscreen where, you know, if you've got a hard button and you press it, it works. It just works. That old UX thing. And you start to lose that 100% accuracy. And then it's like, well, how accurate is good enough? And, and it's hard to, for some of these to, to break that threshold. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm thinking of those use cases where you have a touchscreen. Touchscreen is great. But like, for example, when you are cooking or doing the dishes and, and your iPad is there and you just want to interact with it, I think gestures, uh, honor gestures are fantastic for for those situations when you are hands on something completely different. Yeah, yeah, I, so, yeah. yeah those, those use cases are nice. Like if you're uh, cooking or something and you hmm. to have a your tablet with the recipe there, that's, yeah, that's a nice... That's a nice use case, but it's hard to get uh, enough enough compelling use cases together consistently enough to to make it really catch yeah. on. I guess that another issue as well is that the, um, some people, like myself, Mediterranean people particularly as well, or we use hands a lot when we speak. So yeah, I do the that, same. Is that a- <laughs> You can make interfaces crazy, I guess, or just get, kind of like trigger some actions that you were not intended to trigger. Yeah, that's that's definitely a problem. Um, that definitely hurts accuracy. Uh, another issue that we find is how intuitive gestures are. Mm-hmm. Gestures can be a very cultural thing. Um, mm-hmm. We've done research with like speech interfaces where you might ask consumers, like, how would you, what would you want to say to do this task? And you can do the same thing with gestures. You know, what what would you, what action would you perform with your hands or whatever to signify this? And you get a, a pretty broad range, and there are cultural differences, and so it's it's hard to come up with a kind of a universal global gesture that everybody will get that is intuitive. And you also have to make gestures that are far enough different from each other for accuracy. So. Kind of having that intuitiveness with gestures is challenging. Yeah, indeed. I guess that as well as as having this issue about accuracy and intuitiveness, um, you have the issue of discoverability. You might um, invest quite a lot of time, resources, money, etc., on implementing a gesture, and then it might not get discovered um, yeah. by the user. Yeah, it's a it's an invisible interface, really. You know. You have to know that gestures are available to be used. And for something that's just kind of a, a wave of a hand in front of something, they, you know, everybody now would be used to just touching it and swiping left or right rather than waving their hand in front of it. And so you have to then have something to communicate that that's there. And that's not always noticeable. It's not always easy to do. Uh, so, yeah, discoverability is another issue that we keep finding. I remember many, many years ago when Apple released the first iPhone uh, that used gestures, but uh, let's say touch gestures, like, you know, scrolling, zooming in and zooming out, how to raise or decrease the volume as well on the on the iPod. Mm-hmm. And I loved how they got it, uh, how they got to train users yes. by, by showing it on the TV ads. Yes. Uh, I think that was great. And I wonder if, if you know, next implementation of gestures could use kind of like the same approach to make sure that people take makes the most of them. Yeah, you would think uh, because yeah, that ha- was a very good way to teach people mm-hmm. how to use it. 
And I think what's happened in a lot of devices, if you're talking about a smartphone or in a car, the gesture isn't the primary thing that you're wanting to sell. You know, so it's kind yeah. of the secondary element. Whereas with the iPod, that was the thing. So if you had a product that used gestures, where gestures was the thing, then that might work. Yeah, you're right. It's true that one one interface is kind of dedicated and proposed to be used with gestures, and and in the other interface, like for example, when you are in a car, is is more of okay, you might do this using this touch interface or using gestures as well. I think there would be a great use case as well for these kind of like white plane um, aircraft where you have these little switches that sometimes you cannot read the label. Oh yeah, and you just want to <laughs> bing <laughs> turn the light on. <laughs> So there's there's one more issue that I think is is important in all this and is kind of at the front of it, and that's usefulness. Mm-hmm. So gestures right now, if the examples that we've given before about like swiping left, swiping right, there in some vehicles you can do kind of a circular motion with your finger in the air to raise or lower lower the volume. Um all of these implementations, the use cases that are being implemented are ones that are very simple tasks. And they're ones mm-hmm. that already have multiple ways of doing it. Like you said, you can, uh, you've got in a car, you've got steering wheel controls for the volume. You normally have a, a knob in the, by, the, uh, by your display to turn the volume down. Uh, so now here's a third way of doing it that might not be very accurate, but it's also a very simple use case. It's easy to just turn a knob mm-hmm. or swipe on a screen or something. So gestures, what is it actually doing for you? Is it making this task easier in some way or how much easier is it? And if you're less accurate than say a, a button or actually touching the screen, mm-hmm. then it's actually more of a detriment <laughs> than, than useful. Yeah. Um, and then the flip side of it, I mean, there would be tasks that would be very useful for gestures, uh, but they're very complex. And then you run into the other issues of how do you do an intuitive gesture that everybody's going to just know for a task that's more complex so that it could be more easily done. So mm-hmm. the, the biggest thing that I've seen with pretty much 95% of all in-air gesture implementations is that they're really not saving the user any time. They're not making it easier for them to do anything. It's just kind of a uh, another way of doing it that may be less accurate or may take longer or you know not really mm-hmm. not really provide them with benefit. Yeah, I think the uh, one of the most compelling use cases is the one that we were talking about before when you have wet hands or when your hands are busy or yeah. or when you are wearing kind of like some kind of like gloves that prevents you from um, actuating on a capacitive screen or or something like that. So now we know the issues. I mean, we know that there are issues around accuracy, making things intuitive, not only for a small community, but universally intuitive. Um, usefulness and discoverability. Is there any area where we have uh, an idea about consumers wanting to have some gestures to interact with their interfaces? Yeah, so we uh, surveyed consumers about their interest in gestures and what they what use cases they might want to find or might want to use gestures for. And mm-hmm. it's not the most exciting or compelling use uh, HMI for consumers, but they do find 
some potential use for it. And actually what they, what we found that more consumers wanted to use it for than anything else. Car, the car is up there, but more than that, they wanted to use it for uh, a smart home or for their TV uh, than mm-hmm. anything else. So this would be like using gestures at a distance where maybe you don't want to walk over to the light switch to turn it off and mm-hmm. or ask Alexa to do it. Maybe you just, you know, point over to it and, and wave your hand to turn it off or to do the same thing with the volume or channel controls with your telly, with your TV. Um, rather than, you know, finding that lost remote or something like that. Uh, so those kinds of, <laughs> those kinds of implementations, the consumers are, are more interested in than others. Again, it's trying to find those that are easier to do than, uh, what current ways are. And I guess they see, uh, action at a distance as, as that. When we said, all right, so here's here's a whole bunch of use cases and pick your most interesting use case. More consumers chose uh, what we talked about before with public screens, public kiosks, uh, cash machines, mm-hmm. those types of public-facing interfaces. Uh, they chose that as, as the one use case that they would more like to see than anything else. Actually, I subscribe to that one as well. And I think many... Many interfaces in in public spaces, like when you go to toilets now, so you need to wave your hands to get some soap and then to wave your hands to get some water. Yeah, it might be quite frustrating sometimes because sometimes implementation is like I have done the same gesture like a couple of times and it's not giving me the soap or not releasing the water. But but I think um, it's it's nice to see that the you know that we are working towards that direction to to have kind of like a safer environment. And and sometimes it's surprising when you see that uh, some places have been refurbished and the opportunity hasn't been taken. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so no, well I, for trying. I, I'm, I'm in agreement with them. I'd love to see it more in public uh, spaces. Uh, certainly, mm-hmm. as you mentioned with like sinks and that, it's and towel dispensers, it's, it's wonderful, love it. Mm-hmm. With those kinds of public things, have to make sure that you have people that can fix it quickly when they <laughs> don't work. Cause if, if that's the only way of doing it, then, you know, sure. uh, many times I've gone to that towel dispenser and it's, you know, the sensor is off or it stopped working, but, but yeah. yeah. You will recognize that, that is, I mean, that they are making these sensors, uh, you know, highly reliable yeah. because you know, that they are, they know that they are going to have lots of cycles per day, but, but sometimes it might not be the case or sometimes you need to, wave a couple of times until it happens and you're just thinking i just did exactly the same thing why did it work this time <laughs> what did i do this time that was different when i did the exact same gesture yeah that didn't work before yeah. so yeah I, I i subscribe it's quite similar to to speech interfaces in that sense that yeah. they, you need to be careful how you design things and and to make them right well it's it's um, hard with gestures because you have you know, let's say you're doing a circle gesture. People will mm-hmm. do it, do the circle at a different diameter. They'll do it at a different speed. They're, they'll mm. do it in different areas in, in space. So there are multiple dimensions where you're going to have individual differences, which just adds to the complexity in, in having that algorithm detected accurately. Hmm. I agree. It's quite, it's quite difficult. So let's see what happens over time and if they're compelling use cases developed yeah. to bring more people on board. And I, I definitely think that 
work has been done, more work has been done in the past couple of years on, on gestures due to COVID and all of those health and safety aspects of it. And I think that we've also seen um, haptics uh, to coincide uh, with that. So to have in-air gestures, it's still always good to have some kind of feedback that you did something rather, you know, not, Mm -hmm. not just visual. So we've seen companies that are developing in-air haptics so that if you uh, push a button in space, for instance, there'll be like ultrasonic sound waves being pushed up from areas around the screen, around the public display that move the air around your hand, around your finger to make it feel like you've pressed something. So trying to get those two together to have the good gestures and all that, but to also have it to have uh, haptics implemented as well to get that kind of feedback that something's been done. Um, We've seen a lot of work done on that past couple of years. That sounds promising. All right, well, let's go to condensed soup then. Woo-hoo. I need to replace Lisa today. <laughs> <laughs> so on Cadet Soup, uh, let's uh, talk about our, our favorite story about in-air gestures. So I don't know if this qualifies as an air gesture. I mean, at least it's a sign. It's not a movement, properly said, but I will go with my story anyway. So I used to scuba dive before and for quite a few years. So I was I'm not talking about, ah, yeah, this happens to me the first time. This has happened to me numerous times. When you're in the water and you want to signify uh, because the instructor you are going with or your colleagues uh, want to check up on you and you want to signify that everything is fine, you need to make sure that you do your okay gesture by putting together your index and your thumb. Um, What happens to me is that I always revert to the thumbs up gesture, like, yes, I'm fine. <laughs> and people <laughs> understand that I need to just to commence my ascent, you know, and to get out of the water. And it's like, no, 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 no. And that is when <laughs> you need to come up with more gestures in the water and start kind of like, you know, uh, so. Yeah, thumb, thumbs so, yeah. up is normally has a, a all good connotation. So yeah, scuba diving, that's hard to overcome. Yeah. I've only done so, that once, and and I, I had to be very cognizant about not doing a thumbs up because it's kind of a go-to thing for me. It's just you know. Yeah, apparently it's very natural for me as well. Um, and yeah, and as I said, it's something that is quite. You must be quite used to use it, and it's as you said, it's it's very difficult to unlearn it for that particular situation. And then at some point, you just relax and you revert to what you're more used to. What about you, Chris? Any fun situations? Uh, my my uh, favorite gesture story is uh, when we were doing uh, we were doing some in vehicle research on it was a BMW, the first car that came out with uh, gestures, and uh, we were having this participant do volume, and that's again the the circle, just kind of putting your finger around in a circle. And so we were trying to have them change the volume in the car and they were doing the gesture and it wasn't recognizing it. And they were trying to move it around and change the size of the circle and the speed that they were going around. And it finally worked for them, except it sent the volume all the way up. 
to like almost max. And so now the, the radio's blasting in the car and they're trying frantically to do the reverse circle <laughs> to, to make it go quieter and it's not doing it and it's not doing it. And then they just finally gave up and just reached over and turned the volume knob down. <laughs> Yeah, it's exactly uh, what you described before. <laughs> yep, it's to me that's kind of like for for a lot of implementations, that's just the the classic video of of why they don't work as well as we like them to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, maybe we can use that implementation of those gestures for you know for public displays, as we said before. Yes. All right. Well, if you have any questions about gestures or about any of our research or would like to send us any questions, you can always email us at uxsoup at strategyanalytics.com. The show notes on our podcast website, ux-soup.com, has links to all of our research. And there you can also connect with each of us on LinkedIn. Reminder that UXSoup is sponsored, as always, by Strategy Analytics. Check out the latest user-focused insights by visiting strategyanalytics.com. Thanks for joining us. Bye for now.